Welcome to the weekly podcast all about turning the great American RV adventure into stress-less camping. Each week we explore tips, tricks, ideas, and destinations and talk to the happiest campers in the RV world. Pull up a seat at the campfire as we enjoy some stress-less camping. The world feels like a campfire. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man, and here we are next to a bean field. I'm Tony. I'm Peggy. And we are two RV industry veterans who travel part-time in a small trailer. Looking to share big adventures and help you with great tips, tricks, and discounts. Man, oh man, oh man. So we're (laughs) we're trolling Facebook this morning. And there was in one of the forms, I don't remember which one, to be honest, but there was a poor lady who was cleaning something. And of course she didn't want to mess up her ring. So she put it into a cleaning solution, figuring to clean the ring as well as whatever she was cleaning up. And after she was working outside, she came back into the camper and saw the cup of cleaning solution and dumped it into the toilet with the ring yeah so she wondered how she should get it back or if she should get it back and there were a lot of recommendations a lot of them included getting some kind of a screen like a colander or a nylon stocking or something and sifting out what's the word um yeah it's it's disgusting is the word well anyway so a lot of people asked her to to give a follow-up and let us know if she bothered to try and get her ring back it wasn't clear if it was a wedding ring a lot of people were kind of assuming that because she used the like little emoticon for ring but i'm i don't really feel like it was a wedding ring but i could be wrong yeah i don't know but i told her if she used a colander not to then go and use it for spaghetti (laughs) ever again (laughs) yeah that was the best i could offer right so then we talked about like what would be worth going through that much trouble would you try to get your <laughs> ring back <laughs> That's i mean true. if it was I mean, my wedding and engagement band you bet i would but i don't know yeah i, I never did get that do? ring that i accidentally threw in the koi pond <laughs> <laughs> what would you do and, and you know i don't know I'm, I'm curious what advice would you give to this lady anyway this week we had a really interesting part of our journey we went to several rv factories and Mm -hmm. we're gonna be back and tell you about that but we want to tell you about something else first that has really really made this trip a much better trip much better trip that is our soft start rv so we're sitting here now enjoying our air conditioned comfort in our rv thank 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 you soft start rv (laughs) because we can run the air conditioner on a single 1600 watt inverter generator yeah and so what it allows you to do is to run your rv's air conditioner on much less power essentially the way an air conditioner works or any electric motor is to kind of kick start it on it needs a big uh, jolt of electricity and the soft start rv provides that so rather than that coming from your generator or your wall plug it comes from the soft start rv and it it was a really easy device to install our nephew went and put it up on the roof and it it took like maybe three minutes he was down in less time than i thought it would take him to remove the cover and i said oh uh, what happened you can't do it and he said no it's already finished so 
So it's a small device that goes inside your air conditioner that you install or you can have installed and it just basically allows the air conditioner to consume far less power. You could either use this to run your single air conditioner on a small generator or even a household outlet or you could possibly run two air conditioners on a single 30 amp service if you have two air conditioners. Nice. Yeah. And you know what else is nice? What's that? <laughs> we have got a deal for you for a soft start RV on our discounts and deals page. And you can save $30 when you get one. Or 60 if you need to. Right. And that is located along with other great discounts and deals right on our website at stresslesscamping.com. And there's a discounts and deals button. Click that or tap that and that's where that is. Okay. We went on factory tours we in did Indiana. Last week we told you about the Drab to Fab event, which was a which pretty was fab. neat event. <laughs> it was fab. While we were in Indiana, we went to several RV factories to see how are RVs made? Are they gems or are they junk? I mean, I hear a lot of chatter about and RVs just, yeah, I don't know how well they're made. So we're curious, what happens behind the scenes? And the first place we went is to a Lippert chassis factory, which was, to me, absolutely fascinating. It was fascinating. So Lippert chassis, well, chassis in general are the metal kind of framework that is the, the bottom layer of your RV. Really, if you have any kind of RV, it's the framework of the floor that everything else sits on top of. Lippert makes a lot of those chassis, of course, and so we got to go see their welding plant. Yeah, and our tour guide, Pat Moore, was the general manager of the facility. And one of the things that impressed me is Pat started on the assembly line and made his way up through the ranks at the factory to ultimately manage the operation. Right, and I love that he said that he goes to work and welds on the weekend. So he yeah. he stays up with the welding techniques, he stays up with all that, and he helps out. You know, a good, I always think a good manager is willing to do everything that he asks their people to do. And one of the things, because he goes and works the line with the guys, usually on the weekends, they just have mad respect for Pat. Yeah. And you could just see a camaraderie in this factory that is really perceivable. It, these guys definitely, well, guys and gals, of course, when I say guys, I just mean these people really enjoyed working there and worked as quite a very positive team. And almost as a as a choreographed team. I know yeah. there was one time I was watching and a guy was working on, let's say, the left side of the chassis and he was welding here and here and here. And the guy on the right side was putting something in place. And the guy on the left side went, Weld, 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 turn around, help that guy weld the piece he was holding into place, and then turn, like, how did he even know it was there? I guess because it's the same thing over and over, and he knew after I make these four welds, that guy's going to need help. And he just turned around and helped him and then turned back to his other part. Yeah, it was, it was, it was, that's a perfect description, like a choreographed dance. These guys working together. So my question, having seen cars and trucks being built in the past i always wondered okay why isn't all of this stuff more automated why is it why is there so much hand labor and this factory did have some degree of automation but 
most of it was hand labor and yeah they have jigs and they have patterns and all of that so that things are precise but apparently in the case of rv chassis they may make as few as three of any particular chassis and then completely switch that part of the line and then move on to some other chassis right and you know automation if you take all the time to set everything up if you're going to run a thousand things, then it's worth it to shut down for half a day and set up all the stuff to automatically do a thousand of something. But if you're doing three and then you have to shut down for half a day, not so efficient. Efficient. <laughs> Easy for you to say. I guess so. <laughs> Effectant. <laughs> it's blah. But seriously, I have been following Jason Lippert, who, you know, the company is called Lippert Components. And Jason Lippert is the head of the operation. And I've been following him over on LinkedIn. And I, I have to say the attitude of celebrating and empowering workers there is really meeting the people in person who make things happen and the people on the line and the people in their marketing department. I am impressed with that company. And another thing that really impresses the heck out of me, the chassis are all welded together, but the steel comes from right here in the good old U.S. of A. Yep. So America, baby. The chassis are, are American steel made right here in the United States. Yeah. So the other thing that we found out, I think we specifically asked, but whether Lippert designs these chassis or oh, whether right. the RV yeah. company designs the chassis. And it's actually not one answer some some rv companies say i want exactly this chassis to these specifications and some say look this is what i want to do can you engineer it for us yeah so it just depends lippert has the engineering team so they make at this plant i think they make chassis for grand design jaco drw i don't remember the other brand but it was quite a few brands and so the different companies have different ways of designing chassis. Now, of course, Lippert does go back and look at them, and if they see something where it's like, wait a minute, that's <laughs> not gonna fly, then they'll, you know, they'll speak up and say it, but typically it's, these guys know what they're doing. I mean, they've been building chassis. In fact, Lippert started many, many years ago as a modular home chassis company. So one of the things, as I watch these guys make stuff, a lot of it is very precise. They have jigs and forms and everything is made to, I mean, they measure these chassis to within a fraction of an inch tolerance. You know, you've got a 40 foot fifth wheel chassis and there's a fraction of an inch tolerance mm -hmm. from one end to the other. So that's, you know, they're very, very precise because the slide rooms and all the walls and all of the things that go on the chassis have to fit where they're supposed to fit. Right. Oh, another brilliant thing that I thought was great is that they have bunches of tape measures. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and they're labeled on the outside and then they're labeled at the beginning of the tape what model they are and then the things that are marked off so if they have to i don't you know they need out of this three foot section they need to mark off three or four different places where they're going to put cross beams or something this tape is pre-marked and then they just pull that tape out make sure that it's the model they're working on and grease pencil onto the frame 
and then they know exactly where the next piece is going to get put in. Yeah, I had forgotten about that, but there's like... There's so many tape measures. Yeah, yeah. when they change over a line from one product to the next, so let's say they build the chassis for this one fifth wheel, and then it's time for a different fifth wheel, they literally clear out the entire row, including all of the bins and all that, where the bits are oh, yeah. stored mm -hmm. and bring in, they basically reset the entire line so that all of the parts that these team members need are right there ready to put on the chassis and all the parts that they have access to are the right parts for that chassis. And yeah, Peggy was right. They have all these tape measures, I mean, tons of them, and they're marked with the model number of the chassis. So that tape measure's job is to be for that chassis. It was really cool. Yeah. So then after they all get welded together, then they go through a process that ends in powder coating and it, you know, they dry them they let them dry, and then they go through an oven to dry them. And then they go through powder coating, and this is something I never knew about powder coating. It's like a, I guess it's kind of like a dry, like a graphite spray or something, dry paint or whatever, and then it has to go through a hot oven to set it in place. Yes. So I never really knew what powder coating is, so it literally is coating it with powder and then if they if there's a part that they overshot that they didn't mean to they can wipe it off before they put it in the oven and that part doesn't get coated. Yeah but one of the other cool things is to prepare the surface there's a big room for lack of a better description that the chassis go through and they shoot it with this like metal powder but it's oh, yeah. different size of powder so it actually kind of roughs up the surface. Like shot. Yeah. yeah, and it also strengthens, strengthens, I can talk because I have a mouth, <laughs> it, it strengthens the surface as well. And one other thing, I had mentioned how precise all of this operation is. There is an aspect of when you take 2,000 pound whatever of walls and furniture and all of that stuff and put it on a chassis, there is some camber to it, a little bit of curvature that'll occur and there's literally guys who have been doing this so long they heat up the chassis such that it bends to accommodate this bending that results of when you put all the other parts on it's truly an art form mm -hmm. and it is i mean it's these giant blast torches these guys use mm -hmm. the bottom line i would have zero qualms about an RV with a lipper chassis. It was the quality of the operation and the people and seeing the precision, but also the artistry in this factory was, I have to admit, I was really impressed. And my dad's company used to build turbos, so there's a great deal of precision there. And this reminds me of that, but on a simpler level, but not that much. Some of these chassis have like especially a big fifth wheel with a bunch of slides and all that there's a lot of parts to the chassis yeah so the other thing that they told us which was kind of cool is that not necessarily the welders but the powder coaters and the you know the people kind of on the end line move around within the plant so sometimes they're doing the shot spraying and sometimes they're doing the powder coating and they kind of move around 
and that way they kind of all understand the process but then like I thought also some of those guys are holding these big like fire hose yeah. looking things and I bet if you just did the same job seven minutes at a time over and over and over all day every day you'd probably get some kind of carpal tunnel syndrome or something and so I think it's cool that they have them move around and do different parts of the job and it moves different muscles and you know probably keeps them from getting bored a little bit too. Well yeah and the powder coating so there's these three big booths when I say big they're like house size yeah. booths that the chassis go through so first there's a heating one that heats like gets it really dry yeah it dries off the chassis and makes sure that they're prepped for the painting then there's that shot peening one then there's the powder coating one and in the powder coating one there's 10 people in there in bunny suits that are attached to like an air machine yeah so the bunny suits are like inflated and then they have these like fire hoses of powder coat material and the door opens the chassis go in and there's these 10 dudes well they're 10 people, 10 people shooting yeah. powder coat at the chassis. So everybody does their one-tenth of the area. Yeah. I do this front corner and you do that next section and you do that back corner and... Yeah, and then it goes from that place to another big room that heats it up to 350 degrees, I believe. I feel and like the first one was that low and the other one was higher. Yeah, maybe this, the second one. Well, anyway, it's, it's not a place you want to be no. and no people are in there heats and melts the powder coat and sets it on the frame and then it comes out and it gets inspected and that's part of that rotation people can go from in the powder coating room to being inspectors and all of that mm -hmm. so it's a neat process to see for sure indeed so that was Lippert's chassis factor i really like i say having seen manufacturing done before this was pretty doggone impressive. And uh, we got to video in there, right? Yes, we did. Yeah. So we are going to have a video coming out, I hope sooner rather than later. But we're on the road, so we've had issues with connectivity. But we will have it coming out. And of course, we'll let you know. It's another reason to be on our mailing list is yep. when we have exciting stuff coming out, you're the first to know. That's right. So there you go. <laughs> so where else did we go? So then we went to the Rockwood Flagstaff plant. Yes, which we did. I I have to say, walking through that plant was like traveling back in time to the <laughs> late night or the early 1980s when I used to work in an RV manufacturing plant. Made Peggy feel nostalgic. Right. Well, and, and I remember enough about the whole production line that, you know, I could see, I could remember kind of parts and pieces and the whole process of building an RV from the chassis up to the top. <laughs> yep. And from, from the inside out, but a little bit from the outside in. It's kind of weird. Yeah. So <laughs> that's the weird thing is, so that's how RVs are built. They don't do factory tours with an active factory at the moment because of COVID. Mm -hmm. We went in the afternoon after the team had left but you know they left so here's a thing that's really cool when you work at rockwood flagstaff when you go to lunch or stop for the day wherever you are you put your tool uh, tool belt down and that way when you go back you pick it up 
and know, okay, I've completed this process, I need to do that process. So there's not a lot of room for error. Mm -hmm. They happen to be building the Rockwood 2205 travel trailer. Oh yeah. Yeah, it's, <laughs> oh my gosh. I will link to my review over on RV Travel of that. We really like that trailer. We really like that trailer. <laughs> One of the interesting things about the Rockwood Flagstaff facility is some of their team members have been there for many, many years. I mean, apparently they have one of the most long-term team retentions in the RV business. Right. That says something that, you know, they treat them well and they are able to keep good people. We understand a great number of them are from the nearby Amish community, mm -hmm. especially in the cabinet shop. They're good with woodworking, apparently. <laughs> so anyway, the process is those chassis that we saw being built elsewhere come in and then they're flipped over tanks and floors and suspensions are all put in. With the chassis upside down, which was kind of cool. Yeah, they flip it upside down and put that bottom stuff and then they flip it back over into the next position to start putting the interior floor. Yeah, they put protective barrier material and then some insulation and then 5 8 inch tongue and groove plywood on the chassis. And then come the cabinets and then the interior pieces. Mm -hmm. It might seem counterintuitive. You don't build a house by putting the cabinets in first. You build the outside and then the inside. But right. that's not how RV companies work. No, so they put the interior cabinets, the interior walls, the plumbing, you know, the toilet and everything goes in. And so then... You know, like if you, oh, you know a dollhouse, right? So when you look at a dollhouse, everything on the inside is all in place, but there's no outer outer wall because that's where you got to reach in to move your dolls around. <laughs> so it's kind of like, <laughs> it starts out kind of like that. When okay. it gets to the end of one line, everything's on the inside. There's just no walls. Yeah. Interestingly, Rockwood Flagstaff has this entire upstairs section kind of lording over the plant but up there what they specifically do is create wiring harnesses specific to those trailers mm -hmm. so they pull wires for that trailer and they're consistent if it's a green wire in this trailer it's a green wire in the next and the green wire in the next and that might sound like well no kidding that's how it works especially if you've ever worked on cars but the rv industry it's very common that they put giant spools, I mean, like huge spools of wire, and the team on the plant floor know, okay, we're gonna need to wire, I don't know, 20 things in this trailer. And they just randomly pull 20 lengths of wire, and yeah. there's more wire than they need, and the wires have to be bent and stuffed into cabinets or behind things. Not here. The wires are cut specifically to fit properly. Yeah. They are consistent from unit to unit, which makes service and maintenance easier. And then they're kind of zip tied or harnessed together so yeah. that they don't become a big tangled spaghetti mess. Yeah, so it's very automotive in how they do this and the wires come down from upstairs, get installed in the trailers. And the same thing happens with plumbing. So yeah. we, we saw piles of red and blue pipes all yeah. over. So apparent, you know, obviously the, the cold and the hot pre-cut lengths with the elbows already glued in and 
you know, all that stuff so that basically when the workers came and they were ready to hook up the tanks to the sinks, they just had to get that pre-built hunk of plumbing that needed to go in. Well, it comes down in this box, all the pieces yeah, in like one box. Yeah, like a plumbing kit for this RV, and it's the same kit because yeah. it's the same RV, 2205 in this case. All the plumbing that they need is in a box, like a kind of a hamper kind of thing, and yeah. they bring it all to the unit they're working on, and they've got all the pieces they need already cut. They don't have to think about what to cut or look for their tape measure or anything like that. Right. It's really an efficient and smart system that results to me in a better product. But as you may know, having listened to this for any length of time, we are fans of Rockwood and Flagstaff. They're the same trailer, different stickers. Right. Rockwood and Flagstaff products. They just... I feel they're probably one of the top five brands in the travel trailer business. So there you go. And part of that is this manufacturing process. And part of that is the design and components that they use. Yeah. So then after all the interior stuff is built, then the walls go up. Yep. And then the roof goes on. Yeah. And Rockwood and Flagstaff vacuum laminate all of the walls, including the rear walls, slide room walls, and even the roof. The layers are, there's an inner core that's either a piece of insulation or welded aluminum tubing. And then on top of that is Asdel, which is a man-made substrate product. It's like a wallboard type thing, but it's man-made. So like foam insulation or the aluminum it's waterproof and then the fiberglass on top and or the inner wall and they run a sprayer oh a hot sprayer over each layer and then they set it in this vacuum lamination machine that sucks out all the air and basically completes the, the lamination whole layers together yeah and they only do what is it two walls at a time I think. I think that's what he said because some plants apparently might stack 10 of them at a time and then press them together like in a big panini press. <laughs> <laughs> but only but the ones on the outer, you know, the top and the bottom to get the most pressure and the one in the middle, he said like the princess and the pea, they might not even feel that pressure in the very center. So they only do two walls at a time so that each wall feels that pressure. And the roof is something, you know, RV roofs There are a lot of ways to build them. I really like this way. And what they do is they have a thick custom made foam piece that's arched and incorporates all the channels for the air conditioning and wiring and such. And then there are metal ribs in this and it's all vacuum laminated together as well as the walls. So it's a strong, I mean, it's a walkable roof. told you I don't like going up on the roof but I have and it seems very solid so so it's not really a matter of not feeling like the roof is safe but just it's a heights thing yeah I don't like heights <laughs> it doesn't and go I don't, on any roof it's, it's an not... arched roof and I just don't want to slip <laughs> off and fall and because I don't know how many times I'm going to bounce when I hit the ground but it's going to be a few times and my friends are going to have a good <laughs> laugh at that so then we saw the area where this is kind of cool they actually pressure test their units for leaks yeah there's this door insert thing so they open the entry door you know where where you would go in and they put this insert with a big hole in it and that hole is where they put a a fan so they literally blow pressure into the rv and then spray it with 
soap. On the outside. Look, yeah, looking for air bubbles. The same way you look for a hole in your tire, right? Yeah, exactly the same. Squirt soapy water on the outside and it'll bubble up if air is blowing bubbles on it yeah. out of it. And they also do pressure testing of the plumbing system and they test the electrical system as well. But the, the pressure test for the leaks is kind of impressive. Yeah, pretty cool. And then, of course, it goes through a quality control inspection and we could see each stage there were tapes and, and they were telling us that the different tape, it's not random how it's on there. It looked like just sloppy blobs of tape on some of them, but they actually have codes, those tapes. If they were in a this shape, it meant that, and, you know, it's kind of, it's pointing at something or whatever. So it's it's like even taping for errors is an art form. Yeah. <laughs> There's also a secondary and random inspection facility, a whole separate facility where they tow various trailers to and they get an even more detailed, longer, slow inspection. Yep. And so if this secondary inspection facility sees any patterns like, uh oh, you know, these three sinks have been leaking, what's going on? They basically resolve that on the assembly line and, and check all the units to make sure that that isn't a consistent problem with them. So it's uh, it's an unusual thing in the RV business and it really does make a difference. So that's what we saw at Rockwood and Flagstaff. Very, very cool. Yeah, and so to answer the questions, I know there are a lot of people who say all RVs are junk. And we specifically chose the two factories we went to no we specifically chose the two factories we told you about because we think they are examples of the better side of this industry we got to see a lot of rvs when we were in indiana <laughs> and we, we saw mismatched doors and misaligned cabinets and yeah it was yeah so <laughs> if you're buying an rv don't buy the first thing that you see, shop carefully. There are very good brands out there. I'd say Rockwood Flagstaff. I would include Bigfoot RV, Outdoors RV, Lance. There are definitely high quality travel trailer brands out there. Intech is another one. And there are ones that are not as good. Yeah. So there you go. All right. All right. Remember that time we followed our GPS and ended up at the top of a cliff overlooking the campground? <laughs> yeah, I had to back the trailer down a mountain road. Remember the time we went on that twisty, windy road and hit our awning on a tree? Yeah, I do. But now those kinds of things aren't going to happen anymore thanks to RV Trip Wizard. Right. RV Trip Wizard lets you plan your journeys before you go and then use their app on your phone or tablet to safely navigate that journey. You can set parameters such as how far you want to travel in a day, how many miles you can go between fuel stops, and even read reviews of the campgrounds and places you want to go to. It all takes into account the size of your RV and more. Then you can rest assured that your phone isn't going to lead you into trouble. If you have an RV, you need RV Trip Wizard. Check it out on your discounts and deals page on StresslessCamping.com. 
where you can also listen to our interview with RV Trip Wizard and learn about the whole RV life suite. Now, now that's Stressless, stressless camping. camping. Let's go somewhere, sweetie. Let's we need a break. Let's go somewhere. We've been going a lot of places. And we have. The factory tours we've told you about are in Indiana, but we're a little bit... Uh, not behind schedule, but we're not ready to talk about Indiana yet. We want to, yeah. we want to tell you about Illinois because the land of Lincoln. As you know, we've been on our Route 66 trip, and Illinois is the end of our Route 66 route or the beginning of Route 66, whichever way you want to look at it. We finished off our Route 66 part before we went to Indiana, of course, and so we got to see some great things in Illinois. Yeah, yeah we did. <laughs> One thing was just south of Springfield, we were driving along Route 66 and we saw a Corvair Museum. Yeah, so we're driving along, there's a Corvair van out on the median, or not on the median, but on the side of the highway, it's at Corvair Museum. <laughs> Gotta see that. And it's right on Route 66 and we went in, they had the last Corvair ever built, an astronaut, I wish I remembered the guy's name. I know, I can't it remember which astronaut. one of the <laughs> big name astronauts and I'm having a total forget me moment of who it was, but they had his Corvair, they had a Yanko Stinger, they had a camper, there's all kinds of, they had a Corvair limousine, yeah, a stretch Corvair funny. limo, which was, yes, and a Corvair tow truck, apparently the only one in the world. So a lot right. of cool Corvairs in here. I really enjoyed it. A camper van, which was yeah. really cool. Yeah, absolutely. So that was really fun. And then we asked them about places to eat and they sent us right down the road to Motorheads. Yes. And we had some great burgers and there's car and Route 66 memorabilia and paraphernalia everywhere. Where even their whole menu is yeah, car, you know, cars. like I don't know, like the tater tots are called lug nuts or something. You yeah, know, like everything is car named and car themed, and it was really fun. Yep. Then the town of Atlanta is the cutest little town. Yeah, they have a muffler man there. It's a guy, a dude holding a hot dog, and it's it's very iconic looking little town. That's very Route 66 mm -hmm. decorated. There's a train, like a locomotive nose there that is a bench you can sit on, a muffler man, and a few neat little shops and such. And it's also a harvest host destination. So that's, you know, you can stay for free if you want, but we didn't. Oh, um, wait, we have to go back just a little bit. I forgot to talk about Springfield. So we're driving you all over the place. Oh gosh, yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about Springfield first and then we'll then <laughs> pretend like we didn't talk about Atlanta yet. Okay. <laughs> Springfield, of course, is the home of Abraham Lincoln. Yeah, and so you can actually go and see the last house he lived in before he moved into the White House, as it were. Springfield is also the state capital for Illinois. Yeah. And so the state capitol building is gorgeous. Oh my gosh. Beautiful. Yeah, the capitol buildings and the churches along this trip have been really beautiful. I've, I've yeah. really enjoyed, I would love to do a, another trip of just looking just at architecture, capitals. architecture, yeah. And another one of just looking at churches. <laughs> so we did stop by, unfortunately we got there too late in the day to get a tour of the Lincoln House. Right. But we did get to tour the Dana Thomas House, which was a Frank Lloyd Wright House that was designed and built from 1902 to 1904 in Frank Lloyd Wright's prairie style and holy 
Yeah, he just, I, I mean, there's a, huge, a reason huge he's... I am a huge, fan of Frank Lloyd Wright. Yeah, I got to see one of his houses in L.A. too, and they, he just really was an amazingly talented person. Yeah, so, so that, that was, was cool. a really, really fantastic tour. I really, really enjoyed that. You can't take any pictures when you're inside, no, which bummer. is sad, yeah. <laughs> very sad. But we took some pictures outside and really enjoyed the tour. Yeah, that was beautiful really great. house. And the tours are free, but they ask for a donation, which is true of the Corvair Museum too. Right, yeah. It's free, but they ask for a donation. So. Right, so then after Springfield, yes. then we went to Atlanta. That yes. little town with the muffler man. <laughs> we had intended to stay there, but we couldn't really quite figure out where we were supposed to park. Yeah, it is a Harvest Host site. And like the wasn't... whole town apparently is a Harvest Host site. Yeah. We thought we were going like to a museum site or something. And it was hard to figure out. And so I looked around and found that just a little bit backwards in the town of Lincoln, was a little campground called Camp A While. It had great reviews. Yeah. And so we went there and spent the night, and that was great. These two brothers were the coolest people. They really were. And the funny thing is they are from Paradise. very close to where we are from. They're from Paradise, California, which is very close to our home base. Yep. So it was kind of fun to run into people in Illinois that are <laughs> kind of from the same place. Yeah. Indeed. And they are just surrounded with cornfields, so it was real. It was beautiful. It was the first night that it was comfortable enough to sit outside because it had been yeah. so hot and so muggy. That's been the the theme of this trip. <laughs> yeah, that's why that soft start RV, boy, that has oh, been a so lifesaver. And so we watched the sunset over the cornfields and watched the. Uh, now, I don't know, fireflies and lightning bugs, the same thing? Uh, yeah, I don't know, but they all light up and they're well, all we cool. We watched those little things flitting around and lighting up at night, and that was really cool. Yep. And then we we didn't want to drive the travel trailer through Chicago. <laughs> we didn't even know how good of an idea that was. We just thought it was a good idea, and boy, oh boy, was it. Yeah, that was some smart thinking. We stayed at a campground in, I think it's called Oak Park, about 20 miles south of Chicago. Which was the recommendation of Jason and Abby from Jason and Abby, RV yep. Miles. Thank you, Had guys. recommended staying there, and we loved it. It was Camp Sullivan. And we got to experience our first tornado warning. Yeah, that was entertaining. <laughs> so we had just laid down to go to bed, and both of our phones started making all kinds of noises. And so I said, well, I think what we're supposed to do is go to the bathhouse. So we walked over to the bathhouse, and everyone else, it's a small campground. So there were maybe five campers there. And so everybody was kind of standing outside the front of the bathhouse saying, well, I think this is what we're supposed to do. And we all stood around and chatted until the rain got worse and the wind started to pick up and then we decided to go inside and wait and it was less than an hour yeah. we all just stood around the bathroom chatting <laughs> and, yeah got to then, know all our neighbors that yeah, was kind of cool that was cool no tornado where we were no but, but between us and chicago so maybe you know within that 10 that 20 mile range the next day as we did drive around to chicago we saw the area that had gotten pretty hit and there were tree limbs and branches and wires down yeah kind it, of all it, over the those place, tornadoes so. make a big mess yeah or wi heavy winds whatever it actually was yeah. was bad so then in chicago yeah so we went to the city of chicago without the trailer thank yeah. goodness i'm just uh, you know i mean i used to live in los angeles but I just can't deal with traffic anymore. <laughs> Peggy never liked it anyway. I had no issues with driving in traffic, but Peggy is a more 
mild-mannered driver than I am, let's just say. Yeah, it was. I was just a nervous wreck. But we wandered around. We saw the fountain, which is one, one of like three different places that claims to be the beginning of Route 66. There's a big fountain. If you ever watched Married with Children, the fountain that squirts up at the beginning during their song, that's that fountain. It's a beautiful town. There's just way too many people there. Yeah. And a lot of it is two stories, which is so weird. Well, the roads she's talking about. The roads. About. Like we would get lost because we'd take the upper level and we were supposed to be on the lower level or whatever. And, and then it says turn right. Well, there's no right turn to be made. So it was so confusing confusing and crazy <laughs> yeah we were don't we, we drove around in a lot of circles we said unkind things to poor siri quite a bit another recurring theme on on yeah. this podcast so then we went and we went to navy pier which yep. was neat and we wandered around navy pier and we really wanted you know we talked last week we talked about having the st louis thin crust pizza with provel cheese yeah but we really wanted to try chicago pizza which nice, is thick crust which to us is the pizza it's not even so much a thick crust it's it's a pie yeah it's a regular crust but then it's got like lasagna layers of cheese and we had mushroom and pepperoni like we always do and the sauce so it's so saucy oh, it and so, so cheesy and so thick so we really enjoyed that. So we said we got a small pizza and we're like, ooh, there's gonna be breakfast pizza. That was oh, so gosh. good. We, we couldn't ate stop. the whole thing. I mean, we couldn't even think about dinner. No, that it was night. ridiculous. But it also took about an hour to get the pizza. Yeah, so here is a tip for you when you visit Chicago. Giordano's Pizza is a chain of pizza places. You know, it's the place for Chicago pizza. Well, that's what we think. We are not experts. Well, so. it's the place we knew of right. for it Chicago is, pizza. It, it, yeah, it's where friends told us to go and where I had been last time I was in Chicago. And there are Giordano's all over the place. <laughs> so, and, and like Tony said, it takes 45 minutes to an hour to get your pizza. So here's what not to do. Park at Navy Pier <laughs> and go to the Giordano's on Navy Pier because then... Why is that, Peggy? Because then after you wait an hour, plus you wander around, you go back and you find out that parking is $37. Yeah, for, for two hours. For the amount of time we spent to have lunch. Yeah, so parking was actually Ooh. more money than pizza than the lunch and itself. two drinks. Yeah, so just a tip. There are plenty of Giordano's to visit. Yeah, don't if go you to the go there, Navy Pier. Don't go there while your car is parked at the Navy Pier parking structure. And I'm sure locals <laughs> have great tips on where to go and where to park, and, and we always welcome that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But, you know, we're tourists, and so we got to pay the tourist tax of uh, holy smokes amount of money for parking yeah I mean, that was pretty surprising bucks, that's just blah yeah <laughs> but anyway that concluded our route 66 tour for this time oh. we know that we missed so much yeah. and we had such a good time and there were so many things that we didn't get to see or didn't get to see enough of that we're already planning our next Route 66 trip. Yeah, it's <laughs> going to be very different. It's also not going to be in the heat of summer. No. And we are going to spend a lot more time interviewing people and stopping at a lot of these cool stops for longer. We kind of did the 
if you ever remember the movie Vacation where they saw the Grand Canyon, they stop. Chevy Chase kind of hops out, hops up and down, and then gets well, back in the car. Well, that's because he robbed the cash register. Well, yeah, but, there is that. But that, yeah, I that's how it felt. Like, no it feels like we stopped and shook our heads once and got back in the car. Like, go, go, go. We got, we got more things to do. So next time we will take it a lot slower. Yeah. And, well, there, and, and we've good. seen some things. So there, there are some things that we can say we've completely checked off of our list and we don't have to worry about those again. So we'll do the things that we regret not being able to do this time. Right. And we'll tell you all about it and, yeah. and all of that. <laughs> so uh, there you go. We did get to see lots of muffler men though. And that was That a was cool a thing. goal. And we've, we met that goal. That was one Indeed. thing that we did get to do. Yeah. By the way, we've been posting a lot of pictures on Instagram. So if you want to see muffler men too, that's uh, one of the places to find <laughs> us. So. Also, by the way, I wonder if the thunder is going to come through the microphones. Yeah, it's, it's right now. I'm sitting in the dinette and Peggy's sitting in sort of the bedroom area of our trailer. And I'm looking out the window and there is some mad thunder going on but also squirrels jumping from tree to tree which is pretty entertaining those <laughs> little suckers are quite acrobatic so anyway we're almost done here i just have a very quick recipe someone asked this on the interwebs and said what's a good recipe for you know the night you arrive and i'm thinking in summertime what we've been doing is take a can of that chicken from costco you know they have like canned chicken that's like canned kind tuna, of like canned tuna but yeah. chicken i drain the water i pour in some frank's red hot mix it around and then we get one of those pre-made chopped salad kits divvy it up make the salad the way the salad's supposed to be made and add the frank's red hot chicken maybe a little bit of blue cheese and bing bang boom it's a good it's good fast, it's cool it's refreshing yeah. so we've been eating we've been kind of trying to have our big meal in the middle of the day yeah and then when we get to camp and it's hot and we're tired and we've been driving and we don't really feel like eating and we're stuffed from eating a whole chicago pizza <laughs> <laughs> We've either eaten salad or ice cream pretty much every yeah, night for dinner. Yeah, that's actually true. Yeah, well, not ice cream, custard. We talked yeah, about that. Yeah, we did talk about that, frozen custard. And so we've been eating, well, I wouldn't say healthy by any means, no, but no. less of volume of food in the evenings yeah, because we're still full accurate. from lunch. <laughs> but we do want to do a, just a small maintenance reminder. Yeah, but it's not a small thing. It's well, a big no, it's not a small thing. If you have a travel trailer, you really should, according to most manufacturer recommendations, grease the wheel bearings about once a year every 10,000 miles, although some of them require being greased as frequently as every 2,000 miles. And my practice has been to do this every January, so I remember. But this year, it's been so busy, and our the guy who does a lot of our work on the trailer for us has been so swamped we didn't do it this january and we waited until st louis or not st louis but anyway missouri, we're at, yeah. yeah we're in missouri at our cousin's house who's a mechanic and he did the wheel bearings and he said boy that bearing grease was not in good shape and then he pointed to the tires which had started to wear funny mm -hmm. and so I that was a $350 lesson don't put off wheel bearing maintenance I mean right 
there critical. That's what lets the tires go round and round on your travel trailer. And let me be your example of what not to do. Yeah. Don't put it off, especially on these big trips. So instead of it just being an inexpensive repair, I got to buy a couple of new Goodyear Endurance tires yep. for the trailer because they had worn out due to improper maintenance. So I try to be the good maintenance guy. I was the bad maintenance guy and I <laughs> paid the price. Let us teach you. Well, I would say if you want to learn from your mistakes, that may make me one of the smartest people there is because <laughs> I screw up a lot. <laughs> you know, last week, our question of the week, because we've been so hot and humid and I've been just wondering how people beat the heat. And I guess I thought that I would get comments like I go to the coast or I, I don't know, bring a kiddie pool into the <laughs> campground and fill it or I spend a lot of time at the pool or something like that. But what we got actually were very helpful hints. They just weren't what I expected. And they most of them deal with how to make the air conditioner work better. Yeah. <laughs> so Lori said to put shrink wrap on the windows and Ray lined the outside of the walls of the closets and cabinets with reflectics. Yeah, that's a brilliant idea. Right, and also for the windows. And then he silver duct taped the inside air conditioner plen plenum. Okay, to maximize airflow. So I'm not sure what that means, but you go, Ray. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure I would go that far, but. Okay. Uh, well, although that one day in Oklahoma, I probably would. That one would've. day, yeah. Tom installed a vortex fan to move the air around, which he said is less price than the Max Air or Fantastic. So, but he really likes it. We do use the heck out of our. I think ours is Max Air. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's a Max Air fan in the bathroom, and so we use that a lot. Now here's Julie's answer. I, I think I like this one the best. She uses air, air conditioner, but then she also keeps ice cream in the freezer. So there you go. <laughs> Not custard. <laughs> or custard, whatever, as long as it's frozen. Yeah. I mean, I've got Otter Pops in there. They're pretty refreshing too. Yeah, on and hot Costco day. sells those boozed up Otter Pops. Well, those yeah, I have those too. Either. But <laughs> So this week I want to ask you, what is your favorite Independence Day memory? I have so many and I just want more. I want more people to share with me so that I can have more memories that aren't really mine. <laughs> well, Peggy's family used to take the old Winnebago. They had a 66 Winnebago. They would take it to the park and the whole family would get together and they'd watch fireworks. And it started early in the morning. Early in the morning, my mom would make breakfast and everyone would come to the park and spend the day at the park together and have a great time. And then all lay out on the grass watching fireworks over the lake. Yeah. Good times. Indeed. So, you know what I want you to do, of course, like always, I want you to go to the Facebook group called Stressless Camping Podcast. Which is linked on our website. It is linked on our website, and that's where we ask those questions, and that's where we read the answers from. And we also have on our website links to discounts and deals yes, for you. Yes, we do. And we have links to all of the social places. And we even do a once a week newsletter, as you may know. And we never share your email uh, address or information with anybody. No way. We have been asked. We tell them no, no, no. It's just for our once a week and that's it. Updates. So if you want to go in and sign up for the newsletter, it's on the bottom of every page of the website. So it's easy it to is. find. And if you also 
want to make sure you don't miss any future episodes of our podcast. You can subscribe. You can subscribe for free on any podcast app. Probably the one you're listening to us on right now. Probably so. Just hit that subscribe button. And you know what else would be super awesome is if you would have a moment to write us a review. Absolutely. On Apple Podcasts, it makes a huge difference in whether or not they tell others about our podcast. Right. More podcast listeners means we continue to get great guests although this week there weren't any we just were full of information when it comes to information we're we're full full of it it. (laughs) that should be our logo our motto rather anyway great so come on we're saving you a seat around our virtual campfire we really appreciate your sitting through this with us and hearing us talk about the rv factories have you ever been to one Tell us your story. We, we love the communication. So, well, with that, thank you again for listening to us. We sincerely appreciate it. And happy camping. We hope you learned a lot, had some fun, and got some tips for your next stressless camping adventure. We're honored by your reviews on Apple Podcasts, which helps others find us too. Don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss out on the adventure. And we look forward to your joining us next week. Until then... Happy camping!